Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Matt. Hi, Brenton. Are we having fun yet? <sighs> That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> the year is a quarter and a little bit over. Which blows my mind. Blows my mind. And what's the median sale price of a house in San Francisco announced yesterday? A lot, a lot, a lot. $1.61 million. Uh, Which is up. Which is up. Yeah. It's double since 2013. So, and just trying to make that $1.61 million real to people. Last month... Well, it was, I think, at 1.55 or 5.8. Like 5.3 or something? 5.3. So the down payment to to get that home uh, at 1.6 at 20% is $320,000. Last time I checked, that's a lot of money. So, and to qualify for that loan, you need an income, an annual income of also about $300,000 to qualify for the loan on your $1.6 million house with 20% down. So currently in San Francisco... The median home is affordable to an individual that has a down payment of at least $300,000 and makes at least $300,000 a year. And let's be honest, when was the last time we saw a single family house in San Francisco actually sell with a 20% down payment? 20% gets beat. It does. 20% gets Are we having fun yet? <laughs> Not really. I talked to an agent the other day who said she doesn't even work with buyers anymore. What does she do? Just sellers. Well, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to work with sellers, right? I mean, clearly she's a great agent if she can only work with sellers because listing appointments are competitive. Yeah. It's yeah. True. But, you know, she's she's not the only one that has those feelings. It's it's tough right now. Buyers are, are not having fun. This is a very tough market to be a buyer in. It's We've had people say to us like, oh God, you guys must be loving this market. But it's one of those things where when we sit down and tell buyers what they have to do to get in, it's it's not a good feeling because people who are small business owners, people who are, you know, a couple of teachers, or you think about our clients who bought on Fell all those years ago. She ran a nonprofit and he was a public school teacher and they scrimped and saved and budgeted and they saved a hundred thousand dollars and they, they bought a little, a super adorable little two bedroom condo. That was such a cute condo. And they're so cool. Yeah. They're super cool people. And now they have a couple kids and they, you know, they're still in that condo. They've got two little boys, but you know, those days are kind of like, Oh, we're going to start our family in San Francisco. And I mean, they, they're doing it now. Yeah. They, they probably couldn't afford to buy their own place right now. So. If you're a buyer, like, I mean, do you just give up, dispirited, quit? You know, I mean, we've still got buyers that are buying and, and we're getting deals done. Um, and, you know, the, the market is moving. So clearly th- things are happening. What's What advice do we have? I think the most important thing is to be realistic. And because uh, in by wait. realistic, I mean, if you can afford $1.5 million, don't say... I want a tiny little house in Noe Valley because even a tiny little house in Noe Valley is going to be north of a million five. If you can spend a million five, you'll need to be looking in the outer neighborhoods, the up and coming neighborhoods, so to speak. I mean, you just. A million five in the outer neighborhoods, right? You know, a million five in the outer sunset now. Yeah. A million five outer Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. 
And right. we, I just had clients write an offer this week on a place that was listed, I think at nine fifty, and it sold for just under a million five. And that was in the Portola yeah. district. I mean, like you said, Noe Valley's out at 1.5. I mean, I think even Glen Park's out at 1.5. Bernal's questionable at 1.5. Maybe if you're on the south side, like in a tiny little house. Maybe, yeah. St. Mary's Park up against 280. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just... You know, Excelsior you could still do for under 1.5. Yeah. Which is, I can't believe we're having that conversation because it was just in last year that we were talking about how the Excelsior suddenly become a million dollar neighborhood. Kind of makes me wish I'd bought a house in the Excelsior last year. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, I think being realistic, real estate is a, it's pretty emotional. You know, when you're spending these kinds of, of dollars, you really want to feel it. You want to love right. where you live in. Right. And so it's tough because as a buyer, you, you got to fall in love with the place to make the offer. But if there's multiple offers, a lot of hearts get broken and you just need to, to kind of, I think, understand that going in and not get too emotionally attached. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and that's, that's super hard to do because if you're, you're looking to buy a home where you're going to make your life and make your memories and you're picturing yourself having your housewarming party and your holidays and your birthday parties and so on and so forth. And then you don't get it and it can be really, really disappointing. Yeah. It can be tough. And so a term I use with my sister who doesn't live in San Francisco and she said, yeah, we were thinking of selling our house and then we would um, buy something bigger for, you know, this much. And, and I was just like, wait, why, you know, how are you seeing these? Well, our place is so cool and blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's what we call magical thinking. <laughs> and I love my sister. And this was years ago, but you can't engage in magical thinking. Like, you know, I'm suddenly going to be the one person who gets... The affordable place on the quiet dirty line street in the mission. <laughs> that was another episode, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, I think it was. We'll have to. Which one was the crazy tree line street? I'll, I'll think of it. The in crazy tree line street. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you have to be realistic and no magical thinking allowed. And I think one of the other things that's, that's really tough about that is if you're a buyer. And you've lost out on a couple of deals. You wonder if your agent's any good. Yeah. I mean, you, that's. And then as an agent, you can start to sense that your client thinks you're not cutting it. And then you start to get paranoid. And, you know, that can often be the beginning of the, the beginning of the end of the relationship. It's well, tough. I think the way our market works with everything sells for, well, almost everything sells for over asking and then guessing what that right number is is it can be so frustrating or it is so frustrating because there are neighborhoods in town that have not seen a single family home sell for less than say a million one in six months. And there are agents who still price everything with a freaking nine in front of it. I don't know who you could be thinking about. (laughs) I'm not going to name names. I know. I'm very proud of you. This is so much self-restraint happening right now. I know. And so, I mean, I've, when I'm having conversations with clients, like they've said to me, oh, it's that guy again. And they know it's going to sell for 40% more and they shouldn't even bother to look at it. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, if I'm that person and I know that I've got a new listing that should sell about for what that other listing sold for, if I price it at what that other one sold for, people think I want that plus 30% more. So that's, 
the only logic I can think of. I'm not justifying it or excusing it. And it makes me insane as well. It's, it's, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. But what about that argument? Well, I mean, I've seen people try to have this conversation over the years when we've been in, and you know, these mar- the market ebbs and flows. Yeah. And we're in a super, super hot market right now. We've been in them before. We've been in much slower markets. Hello, 2009. <laughs> and, and people will talk about, you know, can we please just start pricing realistically? And some people are like, you know, let's get on that bandwagon. And then they try it and then their listings sit so- and... I mean, and then, but it's a problem of our own making as a real estate community by pricing aggressively low to encourage offers. Um, when you price realistically, the market doesn't understand that. There's not like a sticker that goes on your listing that says, no, for real, just bring me this. Well, there is, I do think that there's a point. Well, when I was texting you that night, I was so angry about, you know, I've been doing this for a hundred years, but sometimes I still get pissed off. Well, you're awesome. It matters. <laughs> you care. But when it's just like, come on, you know, the first time you do it, it's, you know, whoo, you got on socket site and blah, blah, blah. But then after a while, it's like, come on. You know, I'm not saying if it's going to sell for a million four, price it at a million four. I'm saying, can you please just start at a million one? Or a million two. Or a million two. A million three. So you're, you're not... Oh, so listing statistic inflation, right? Like I'm the best listing agent because I can get my clients to underprice and therefore sell for the most over, which is a ridiculous, you know, which is an impressive stat to like throw out at a listing presentation until you really actually think about it. You know, if you're setting your price artificially low, what's the the victory and, you know, 6 billion percent over a dollar? Right. It's, it's kind of meaningless. You know, it's, it's, I think different if we were to say like, Hey, you know, I priced it one, two and was able to get 137% of that. Like that's a different kind of accomplishment, you know, but you know, why you seem like a better listing agent for underpricing properties further is the question. So my motto of the day is put a one in front of it, (laughs) please put a one in front of it. I like it because it rhymes. Put a one in front of it. What rhymes there? I don't know. Rhymes in my head. <laughs> God, you're weird. <laughs> I think this is a well-established fact. <laughs> the other thing that this makes me think of is one of the reasons I love being a team. Like when I said I was texting you the other night when I was so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't, if we weren't on a team, I probably wouldn't be doing that. Right. And then there's, but there's the, I'm even thinking, you know, the, the flip side of that is the conversations we're able to have with our guard down about what we think something's going to sell for. Uh, you know, because my experience of real estate is it's a town of, you know, frenemies and we have lots of friends, um, all throughout the community. And I'm, I'm not saying there are enemies in any way, shape or form, but I am saying it's this weird dynamic of compete and collaborate. And when you're talking about a listing that's on the market, you never necessarily know if another agent has a buyer for that or not. Right. So it's really impossible to be like, look, this is my situation. This is the buyer. This is the profile. This is, you know, like, what's it going to sell for? And I will always, always value that so much because that's what got one of our buyers a property in the mission years ago. Because we were in the car on Tuesday tour, you and I were talking about it. I'm like, you know, she's riding. It's going to be for this. And you like laughed at me. And you were like, you know, Matt. That wasn't very nice of me. (laughs) But it was great for the client (laughs) because she ended up getting the property, you know. 
And so, yeah, so I, I think it's one of the, the awesome things uh, that real estate teams offer their clients is an additional set of perspectives um, Absolutely. when they're trying to gauge uh, property value. Yep. Sellers are uh, pretty happy these days. Sellers are very happy these days. Sellers are all leaving though, right? I mean, that's the sad part there. Well, we just now had a move up buyer stay in the city, which was awesome. And because, isn't it, but, but it's kind of sad that that's noteworthy now. Yeah. I mean, most of our sellers have left either for, you know, work or whatever reasons, or for a lot of people who might've done the move up thing, they're going down the peninsula, they're going to Marin or they're going to the East Bay or they're leaving California. They're leaving yeah. the Bay area entirely. Yeah. And you know, the, the East Bay, well, I'm, I'm not so much the East Bay, but the peninsula and the North Bay are a little bit deceptive in the sense that if you look at those neighborhoods, you know, on a price square foot basis, it's less expensive than San Francisco. But by the time you factor in the larger house size, the larger lot, it's just as expensive, if not more. Uh, you know, so there, there's no price savings to be had right. until you go substantially north, you know, substantially east, beyond Gilroy South, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Substantially out of the Bay Area. So that's a sad. We, we've talked about the the changing San Francisco before, and uh, it's it's changing. It's changing. Because the sellers are leaving. They are, which is a bummer. It makes me sad. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a great CEO in town who's got a saying that as the pie gets smaller, the table manners get worse. Which is such an awesome metaphor. Which is an awesome metaphor. Yeah. And there are... I like to call it agents behaving badly. Yeah. There are <laughs> there are agents who are behaving badly, um, unfortunately, because there is, there's not a lot of business to go around right now. And, you know, some of us are doing great. Some of us, not so much. And people who are not thriving. I mean, I just, I feel like I'm being such a judgy wench. <laughs> but It's your podcast. Do what you want. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we're just seeing people do things that they might not normally do. Although, you know, in all fairness, we've actually already dedicated an entire episode to agents behaving badly. Oh, that's going to be a series. Yeah, right. October 4th was our first one back in 2017. It was uh, episode 12. Uh, yeah, but it's, there, there's a lot of elbows being thrown right now. Yeah. And we have the San Francisco Realtor private Facebook page where people vent on the regular about things that other agents do that annoy them. Not by name, because, you know, we're a genteel f- group of folks. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> I can think the once. <laughs> but one of the things that agents are doing, um, there's, there's the whole, I mean, this is, this could be a whole other episode. Um, and in fact, maybe it has been about, uh, preemptive offers. Yes, that was, uh, we did that back in October, episode 15. We've been um, doing this so long. Discriminating sellers. Uh, it ties in kind of nicely with the one before it, uh, episode 14 about agency disclosure and who's on whose side. And, um, you know, preemptive offers, uh, and offer dates are one of the, the biggest points of contention because agents are setting offer dates and taking offers before that. And meanwhile, if you're playing by the rules and you tell your buyer, oh, offers are being reviewed next Wednesday, let's take some time, review the disclosures, get your everything lined up. And then, um, the status changes to pending this Friday, then you want to knife someone. And it all depends on everyone's understanding of one question, which is... Do you have to present an offer if you get it? Exactly. It and 
to get the answer to that episode 15. And the answer, um, I don't know if you saw on the Facebook page that a certain CEO actually checked with that brokerage attorney, a brokerage's attorney. We could have saved him money. They just needed to listen to episode 15. <laughs> we're not attorneys and we don't play them on TV. <laughs> but we just did the research. We did. I mean, uh, yeah. So the rule is if you have it in writing from your seller that you're going to look at offers on May 11th, you and you get an offer on May 6th, you do not have to deliver that offer to the seller for consideration until May 11th. The seller can provide written instructions on any type of offer that they want to be presented to them. Those instructions cannot include protected classes of individuals, but they can include information about the offer. So they can say, like, I don't want an offer till this date. I don't want an offer unless it's all cash. I don't want an offer that has an appraisal contingency. Um, And if they put that in writing to their agent, that agent does not have to present it. Boom. Boom. But really, episode 15, it's a fun one. (laughs) I feel like we're we're being past episode pimps this episode. (gasps) They're good episodes. They are. This is fun. Yeah. You know, I want everyone to listen to your wisdom. You drop it like it's hot in every episode. Boom. Boom. (laughs) So are we having fun yet, Britton? We're having a lot of fun. (laughs) Our buyers are actually, you know. They're hanging in. They're hanging in. They're giving it their shot. So. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of offers accepted lately. Yeah. So. Congratulations us. Yeah. No, we work well. And I need reading glasses now. Future's so bright I gotta wear reading glasses. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, see you next week. See you next week. Escrow Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com.